All right, so Dan, you wanted to tell Terry's story. Uh, yeah, so uh, this week I, uh, because life was busy. Will this be a long story, Daniel? Are they ever short <laughs> stories with me? Okay, then continue. Uh, no, so I, I stepped back from DMing the d game that we had going. It's it. So it's seven players, and uh, we, Adam and I were hatching a plan. Adam's one of the players. We were hatching a plan for the past, like, three months mm-hmm. of kind of the exit of me as the DM and the other guy taking over. And what we ended up doing was we we corrupted his character, and he slowly was working against the party in certain ways. Well, give him more credit than that. You and I have been corrupting my character for about eight and a half months. Mm. So, like, my third session ever playing, Dan gave me a gauntlet that, I, that is magical and I can't take off. And everybody else at the table is brand spanking new. Okay. So nobody knows what a cursed item is except for me. And I turned to Dan at the end. Of, he's like... Yeah, it does stuff. Don't worry, we'll talk after. And everyone else is just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I turned to Dan after. Like, Bless what is, them. What, they still trust you. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what is this item? And Dan's like, death and corruption. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I gave Adam a vision of like being alone in a tundra with a nagging voice in the back of his head that was, you know, slowly eating away at his sanity. And he's like, oh, good, good, good. Oh, my God. Good. He showed you being married in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> So, so anyways, so I have been slowly getting ready for this. Every magic item we find, and I get my hands on first. I'm weighing it. Do I keep it, or do I let others have it? Oh, it's a plus one mace. I don't need this. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're magical pipes of the sewer that summon swarms of rats. This will be useful. Yeah. Uh, I will take the cloak of invisibility. You get the helmet of sight. I don't, yeah. I don't need that shit. The whatever. Right? So, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, he sent me this message at the beginning of the uh, week saying, Hey, so... How many alchemist fires do do I have? Like you gave me alchemist fires, but you didn't tell me exactly how many. And like halfway through the session, I'm gauging because I know he's doing something screwy. And I just like go, you've got three in the middle. Everyone's talking and role playing. I just turn to Adam and I hold up three fingers, and he just goes nice <laughs> and like sits back three will and work. starts playing. Yeah. So I had them in this obsidian room, and uh, Adam locks the gate. Like, the entire party... There's a big tentacle monster that they're fighting, the quote-unquote boss monster. Okay. Little do they know that it's me. Right, I'm yeah. the real boss monster. So they're all fighting this thing, and Dan's got some of them, like, on the astral plane and whatnot. But there's a portcullis that, that's, that they we had to open up to get everybody in. Yep. They all got in, and then I closed it. And then I shoved a crowbar in to block it, yeah, wedge it shut. And then I disappeared into the darkness. So I was oh, a no, no. ranger, so... You did one more thing before you did that. He set traps on the gate. Before he walked away. And they, did anybody in the party like No one clued in. They were just like, oh, Charm's just doing weird stuff. Yeah. Adam's just being weird. It's fine. Because they're in the middle of the fight. Like, to, they're, they're... to be fair, the traps were me balancing very, very um, precariously. Uh, a porcelain doll that I'd picked up it was a creepy porcelain and doll. A, and a teddy bear. And a teddy bear. It's actually It was actually a unicorn toy. Oh, yeah. Was, and, so, and, and I balanced them. They didn't know that there was um, poison gas and stuff inside these things yeah. that I'd built in midweek content like months, months before. Ago, yeah. Dan yeah. had long since forgotten about it. I'm like, yeah, so I, I wedge it in, I put the unicorn toy down, and I walk away. And Dan's like, fucking why? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it took me a moment. And then I saw the gears working out on his head. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. So uh, we have one character who's a uh, god uh, thunder cleric. And he electrocuted the gate mm-hmm. um, just, you know, as a way to seal anything from coming back. And it set off the gas traps. Yeah. And at that point, everyone was like, 
charm what's going on like they didn't even oh you. buy into yeah. the full and, betrayal and, right and, away and i ran back i'm like oh my god i'm so sorry here have these health potions and i handed them alchemist fire and yes <laughs> right and no one took it they were just like burp, burp, drink and it set oh. off this massive conflagration of fire and doom and at that point it was adam versus the party yes but i turned invisible and i started to run across the ceiling while I summoned swarms of rats. They could hear me playing these this pan flute. Mm-hmm. and Because it's essentially a Pied Piper item, yeah. right? Yeah. And rats are swarming out of nowhere. And they're all running around. Half of them, nobody has full hit points except me. Yeah. And like they, I ended that, that battle. I, I had only lost two hit points. Yeah. Um, and everybody... And I managed to straight up murder three of them. Yeah. He, he straight up killed three players. One of them was the guy who's taking over the campaign. So, like, he taking needed to DM. die. Yeah. Uh, the other... Yeah, he's taken over as the DM. Um, the other one... The other two players are the most experienced players at the table. Um, and Adam and I were talking about it. I was like, these are the two that could probably handle it mm. the most. So, uh, shout out to Tyler and Graham for taking that one. Like, I'm... And you heard I, them. I, I sat down at the beginning of the session. I'm like, guys, everyone at the table, things are going to get weird. Um... And I typically don't like treading into these waters, so keep an open mind. I've got a plan. There's a reason. Nah, don't and even tell on. them that. No. Well, they're new. Players. They're new players. And, They'll be fine. So, so we sat down and <laughs> like I've, I've gotten a couple messages from the players saying, so I'm still trying to figure out what happened. I'm like, this was Monday night, guys. Like, it's Wednesday. Move on. Right? <laughs> But yeah, I've played seven other D and D games by now. Cry me a river. You never died in D and D before. <laughs> gets, no, no, they easier. haven't. They haven't. No, no one had seen death in the game before, which which added weight because it was three of them dying. And like the one of the characters who lived spent a lot of time building into Adam's character as this member of the militia and bringing him in and was kind of like this total mentor. betrayal of the captain. Oh, yeah. it was complete Excellent. complete betrayal. You stole a beloved NPC and took him with you. <gasps> and I teleported out. And teleported out. Yes. Like, yeah. like eight men entered, three men left. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It was it was And the new DM has this wonderful villain now that can warp in whenever he wants and be invisible and just destroy the party. Love it. At any given time. Yeah. So so that was my Monday night and all of that was in three hours as well. Yeah. Like, this story is almost taken as long as the session did, so. Mm. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was really good, and, like, Life the guys kept it open mind. Yeah. I, yeah. You love it when players get hurt. Yeah. And so we figured you would enjoy this story. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, let's move on to the actual... I love it when people get hurt. <laughs> you just... <laughs> I just watch your kids like fall off bikes all day. Like fuck, fuck your kids. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, save the child!" And I'm going, "Ha!" <laughs> Survival of the fittest. Next, Terry's in the corner dosing a second child with gasoline. Yeah, I could have guessed it would have been that kid. By the way, he's <laughs> got that look about him. That weakness. He's got that weakness in his eyes. Anyways, enough about Dan's kids. The oh. <laughs> Whoa! It's got personal now, did it? Well, no, it's just my kids could totally take both of you. Oh, and I, yeah. like without a doubt, the youngest one alone. Adam, oh yeah, Adam would turn invisible. Yeah, and Terry would die. <laughs> Terry, would die. <laughs> Terry would get doused in gasoline somehow. <laughs> yep. All right. So, uh, what I want to talk about um, for this uh, episode of the podcast is the concept of random tables. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of different kinds of random tables, and lots of different ways to actually add that sense of randomness to your world uh, without it being 
too wacky random uh, or too, uh, or obviously too um, railroaded in. There are, there are a few different ways of approaching this problem, so I wanted to really address that because no matter who you are, you will run into random tables at some point with Dungeons oh, yeah. and Dragons. It's, yep. it's hard baked right into right into it, right? So, um, but first, let's uh, let's roll the music and do an intro after that. So. All right. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. And welcome back to another episode of It's a Mimic. Uh, I am Adam. With me, of course, as always, are Dan and Terry. Say hello, Dan and Terry. Hello, hello Dan and Terry. Uh, oh. Do you know what we do a lot? Actually, I've noticed is we always go, yeah, at the same time. It's weird. In that, in that mm-hmm. one second that I pause and allow you guys yeah. to speak. Yeah. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> we just grunt an acknowledgement. It's like, yeah, we're here too. <laughs> yeah. Stuck in a room with Adam. Like again. some sort of, some sort of uh, hostage video where we're being proven to still be alive. <laughs> There's even a cool backdrop behind us. So you get a flag. Yeah. Put it on behind us. Actually, it does look like the setup. It kind of does, right? Hostage video. We, we need to get an NPC with a scimitar to stand beside it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And on that bombshell, probably the wrong phrase to use. Oh! <laughs> anything. I didn't, didn't mean to do that. But. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Let's go. So, random encounters. Um, I want to cover the idea of random encounters before we do anything else as far as random tables go. Um, because... No matter if you're running a railroad campaign or a sandbox where you can go and do whatever you want, or even a funhouse dungeon. I mean, funhouse dungeons are in and of themselves kind of random in the first place. Mm -hmm. And we'll cover that in a future episode. But no matter what kind of campaign you're running, you're going to run into the idea of your characters traveling. This is the traditional one, where they're traveling or they're sleeping in the dungeon because players are dumb. Mm. Where they decide they're just going to wedge something under the door and get a long rest in the middle of the goblin keep, right? So someone... I've done that yeah. several times. Because so, the goblins has... are on the other side of the door, and they're like, we can't fight them, we're too tired. Is the door closed? It is. Wedge something underneath it, yeah. and they won't enter over the course of the next eight hours. Yeah. The goblins all turn around and, like, punch out, like, Wiley Coyote. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they get their time cards. But, so, um, you have these random encounters to mix it up, to keep your players on their toes. We have got a player in our Sunday group. Her favorite part of anything that we do, all of the intrigue and backstory and NPCs, the hours and hours and hours of work that I put into this story and the character development mm-hmm. is tossed out the window if we get to do Ryan McCounters. Because yep. that's when she sits there and claps and bounces and yay! Yep. Sings on the road again. Yay! Yeah. Mindless, yeah. no consequence murder. Yay! Random encounters are usually built around the concept of let's just unleash all of our spell slots and go to town on this thing. Yeah. We're traveling for 17 days. It's day 14. We know we're not meeting the boss. Let's just unleash all of the shit that we want to do. Everything we've prepped. This is this is the opportunity for you to say, hey, you know what? My character, I've envisioned doing this kind of thing against a large creature. And here's a large creature. Yeah. Right? So they're going to go to town. It's also a good time to like practice your combos. Like we had the, the black bomb. Black think, bomb, yeah. What we called it where... Uh, one of our characters would cast darkness, the other one would throw a fireball in, and chaos would ensue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you guys started that, that on a random encounter. We started that on a random encounter where we're like, let's give this a try. Or rather, you guys did, and I shot arrows in. Yeah, and, and it was a beloved NPC, it turned out. But anyway. Um, one time it was a tiger. One time it was a tiger, yeah. That thing is still in my bag. That was like. the only success, I think. <laughs> oh, wait, no, we made slippers for the you, one who loves random encounters. Yeah. 
So when it comes to random encounters, guys, I want to talk about pros, cons. What are your preferences? Do you do anything different that other people might not do for random encounters? So I want to steer away from um, items. Yeah. Right. There's all sorts of random item tables, and I want to steer clear of the um, the idea of uh, like the there's the random table for the wild magic. Right. That's not what I want to talk about right now. Let's talk about yeah. monster encounters. It doesn't yeah. even have to be monsters. Just your random encounters. Okay. Yeah. So let's grab our dice and roll initiative. Three. Thirteen. Oh, I, ooh, I rolled an eight and came in second. Did I win? You, you did. did. One. Suckers! Terry goes first for mm, the first mm, time. Mm. I'm celebrating. <laughs> you just humped the table. Oops, I did, yes. I did. <laughs> I did do that, yes. Um, okay, so the reason I like random encounters is I always talk to you guys about keeping the threat of death alive in the game, and I think this is a way that the threat of death is kept alive. Because it's random, yeah, there's kind of most people will use a sense of balance, but I feel like this is the time where the game can go completely off the rails. Depends on how many random encounters you're going to have in a single day. You may not be expecting to have to use that many spell slots or the items. And it also makes often overlooked elements of the game come back into play, such as ammunition. Mm -hmm. You have... Only, you can only carry so many crossbow bolts unless you have a magic item for some reason that you carry 500. That's because your DM doesn't want to deal with it anymore. But for some people, it's or, an important part. you part. have three of those items. Right. Thanks, Adam. You're welcome. I just, <laughs> or whatever. Or rest. Exactly. Well, th that's it. Yeah. It all depends on what kind of game you want to play. Um, so for me, my favorite kind of random encounters are the ones... I don't like the ones where it's just... Uh, what is it? Uh, 2d4 wolves. Okay, 2d4 wolves are, I don't know, in the middle of the street. Okay, and now we're dealing with that. Yeah. I like the idea that, remember, your players are not... The world does not revolve, revolve around your players. The world is going on around you, and you're just in there. So you may come across a robbery happening. You're not getting robbed. Somebody else is getting robbed. How do you deal with this? Or you may just come across <coughs> some enemy soldiers who aren't necessarily being aggressive towards you. They're just around their campfire. Or you may not just come across a bear, you may come across some bear cubs. Or a bear in the middle of a meal, which is a dead body, and you spot a magic item in that dead body. How yeah. are you going to deal with it? So I like, I like to make them a little bit more interesting instead of just... Yeah, and an owl bear steps out. Okay, go. You know, it's not really interesting. You So for me, it gives an extra little... <coughs> give, Dan, you've been sick for three months, okay? <laughs> Figure it out. No, it's just a tickle. It's just a tickle. I don't understand. Okay. We were here for like an hour before we started to get into this. <laughs> and you didn't cough once. What are you? You just need a It's the most. I'm done with this shit. It's the most, it's the most passive aggressive sickness I've ever come across <laughs> in my life. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Back to random I tried to handle it. Like, I, I, I build myself Your up before coughing we... is the random encounter of this podcast. <laughs> okay. I try to edit it all out, but occasionally, like, one sneaks through. And I get a message from a listener saying, "Are you feeling okay, dude?" It's like, "No, I'm feeling just okay for the past three years." <laughs> okay, uh, but also what random encounters do is allow your team to bond and figure out their strategies that they're going to use together. Yeah. We were just talking about the black bomb, for example, that we use in our games. They can figure out each other's styles, what to expect from each other, and also kind of meta figure out how your DM works as well, how they strategize things. Yep, uh, that is me. Yep. Uh, okay. Bye. Next. Uh, one of the things that I want to just ask real quick, Terry, is do you have an example of when, when you've run into something like that? Um, no, but I'll come back to me. All right. I'll think of it. Okay. Before we wrap this up, we'll all have it. We'll come back to it. Yeah. I've got a few. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about, <laughs> I have a million ideas on this because of course I do, but um, one of the things that I want to talk about is the idea of a random encounter 
does not have to be combat. Mm-hmm. No. Right? And that's one thing that I think a lot of people get wrong is they just say, okay, what monster are we, are we going to use? And that's it. It is so much more fun when you have things. And see, I break mine down into five, five different um, categories and I make you guys roll a d20. And each one of the categories is on there four times. Yeah. Right? And it's all mixed up randomly um, just to find out what it is. So that I have no idea what's coming. Yeah. As well, right? But it's uh, either a fellow traveler that's with you decides to do something. Yeah. Um, and now you get a uh, social interaction. There's a total stranger. That's a different one. So there's there's your your allies, then a stranger. I don't know who that stranger is until they show up. Um, there is uh, environment. Yeah. Or a change in weather, something like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's what I mean. Um, you guys have in the past run into things like, and all of a sudden um, you find a cliff face that is appears in front of you you know you're heading north and a cliff appears now you have to climb up it yeah mm-hmm. right that doesn't seem like a whole lot and it only takes 20 seconds for everybody to roll their athletics check to get up but that one person that fails and then the other guys have to go down and pick them up and get them through and now you've got party interaction yeah right and that can be a lot of you guys just did it there we go <laughs> so that could be a lot of fun for uh for people to kind of get the dynamic one of the things that i have on my uh on my critical tables um it's been a while since we've seen this is when you crit fail so badly that everybody else gets to laugh at you yeah and that's just that was funny yeah that's just you as the player getting shit on by the other players around the table like and i love that i'm actually a big advocate of bullying so i do (laughs) i do appreciate that um see the earlier conversation (laughs) um and then there's uh there's monster uh as well yeah um and then the last one which we strangely enough very rarely run into is the what i call evidence and this is what I really like. You guys ran into it in the last encounter. We did a one-shot, and you were walking through the desert, and there were uh, serpent folk in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the very first thing that you ran into was a giant post with skulls on it, marking the edge of their territory. That's evidence. That is a random encounter. What do you do? Do you go and do you investigate it? Maybe it's trapped. Maybe it isn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are instructions written in a language that you're not familiar with. Or maybe a, an NPC is familiar with it, and they can guide you on how to handle the serpent folk. Yeah. Right? That There needs to be, in my head, a general escalation as well. If I know that you're heading deep into pygmy territory, there will be signs, like totems that they've put up. Then there will be bodies strung in, in the trees, and there will be a little scouting party. And then there will be a patrol, and there will be a small village, and then you find their large encampment. Yeah. Each one of these is a, is a random encounter that I've not prepped. They're all on the on the table, and you roll it because maybe you missed the scouting party, yeah. or maybe you missed the small village, and all of a sudden you turn the corner, bang! You're right in the middle of, of this this large city of hostile people. You can you imagine what that would be like if you were to stumble into a mind flayer colony because you didn't get to the right random encounters heading up to it? Yeah, yeah right. Um, well, I can't imagine, but yeah, it would be awful. It, <laughs> you wouldn't have to imagine it for very long. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so that's one of the things that I do is I have like layers of tables, tables within tables, because I want to know, uh, I want you to roll to see how many hours have gone by, roll to see, uh, what kind of, of encounter we're going to have, roll to see how bad it's going to be. And then from there, roll to determine exactly what it is. Yeah. So and you get the players to do that as well. So it's a very oh, inclusive yeah. and it, it, I think it builds more excitement because it puts it on us instead of just watching you roll four dice. 
yeah. of different kinds. It's yeah. uh, we go around one at a time, and everybody ha- is responsible for a different part of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it makes and, it more. And exciting. we actually roll initiative for it too, right? To see. Yeah. I just I just need to know who the highest is because we're going to start with you. We got nine days of travel. You start. You're going to roll. How many hours have gone by? And now maybe it's happening at night, or maybe it's happening in the middle of the day. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or maybe it's happening first thing in the morning when you guys are waking up and you turn around and realize half your shit's gone. Yeah. Right. I didn't plan that random encounter. You guys should have rolled better. Yeah. Right. So um, you reminded me of something there when you're touching on evidence, you know, of territory that you're going to go in. I like the idea of evidence as well, more like foreshadowing, especially Mm -hmm. when it's completely unrelated to what you think's going on. Yeah. So, for example, if you're in a very giant, heavy campaign, that's the main thing that you've been covering. And then in a random encounter, for some reason, off in the tree somewhere, you see three angels pick up a dead body, then just off towards the heavens. That has nothing to do with what you've been doing. And it may not get mentioned again for another six sessions. Yeah. But I like that idea of using random encounters to just hint at things that may be coming. Oh, you, you talk about breadcrumbs a lot as well. Yeah. Okay, maybe we're not interested in that. We're deviating away from yeah. it completely. Or maybe we're going to pursue that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, that's why I like I like to use random encounters to set the tone of the entire campaign. Like, because yeah. uh, you can have your intricate party pol- uh, politics, your arguments between players about what their characters are going to do. You could have your fights with your big bad and those things. But I find that since a lot of uh, a campaign is travel time, getting from point A to point B, especially in those early levels, it's a fantastic opportunity to set the tone for your campaign and just what you mentioned this earlier, what kind of DM you are yeah. as well through your random encounters. Because I've known DMs that when they're building the random encounter table, if they build it at all, only build things that they know the party could handle. Mm-hmm. I've also <laughs> I've also known DMs very, Hi. very Hi. well yeah. who have like three out of 20 points the party could handle and then 17 of, <laughs> you're all dead. Well, that right? makes perfect sense. That's well, what the world is like. Yeah, right, well, yeah. But, but that sets the tone, right? If you walk into an encounter and you are level four... And a beholder crosses your path. Uh, a Glabrazoo shows up out of nowhere and starts waving little hands at you. Like, you are going to know your DM is not here to mess around. And he's not going to pull any punches. So maybe you shouldn't be a bit of a blood hunger, uh, bloodthirsty hobo? Murder mm-hmm. hobo? So so just, just, just to touch on that because... People are going to be like, oh, we can do that? I'm like, no, okay, you really can't, right? That's how you just murder a party because T-Rexes. Yeah. Right? That's not your story. That's not what's your premise. Yeah. So so can I just pull back the curtain a little bit on mine? Well, what, what I was going to suggest is yeah. have those encounters, have those monsters, but have a way for your party to get out if they accidentally roll that. Right. So what I do is I make the, the D20 table for um, difficulty level. And the bottom two are minor. You guys can stomp this. This is a uh, fire beetle has walked across your path. You're level 14, right? Uh, the next two, which actually happened. It actually happened, yeah. There's uh, my example. The, 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 <laughs> I felt like such a badass because I was like, yeah, fire beetles, all dead. And you're like, still, there's I think four we, of I still them. remember we were still overthinking it. Yeah. Like, yeah. What do we do? There's 20 of us. Make a path. Maybe we can all surround it at once. And then one of us was like, I think I probably got it. Like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Squish. So, so, so when you roll a one and two... It's, or sorry, when you roll a 19 or 20, it's easy to handle. Uh, 17, 18, it's a little more difficult. This usually has an intelligent creature, mm-hmm. but that you can easily kill. Something CR2, you're level 14, right? The next 10 are CR14, right? This is what you're supposed to be fighting. Yeah. 
But then if you roll a three or a four, and you are just not rolling well on your D20, you're going to get something that's a CR 17. Why did you point at me when it said rolling on your D20? You're no, like, do the thumbs throwing up. the no, no, thumbs no, towards no, no, the, the thumbs yeah, up. Thumbs I was up. all like, oh, the, the guy who bots 13 times in one session. Yeah, this guy. But the thumbs up. <laughs> paranoid. So paranoid. Yeah, all right. So <laughs> my the, dice hate me and it hurts. <laughs> the, uh, apparently. Um, and then if you roll a 1920, you're going to run into a purple worm. But you have to tell your players up front, this is not a combat you can win. Yeah. No matter what you can do, this is a monster encounter, not a combat encounter. Mm-hmm. And really be upfront. I will absolutely break the fourth wall. I'll step out of character and I will say, guys, I love all of your characters very much. Please don't fucking die. Apart from you. <laughs> you actually did this in the one-off we had this past with weekend the, with the Frog Hemoth. Yeah. Right? Like, we're trying to evacuate a bunch of orphans from an orphanage and Adam drops a Frog Hemoth on us and goes... By the way, you will die. And we're like, the orphans are still inside the building, Adam. Ah. So, like, it, it was this interesting little combat we had where it was like, okay, well, as a level f- well, six, as a level six, six monk, I'm going to distract this thing. So I'm walking up to it and being like, okay, patient defense, please don't hurt me. Yep. And for the first round, it went great. Second round, not so much. <laughs> See, I was smart. As a level six bard, I escaped immediately on my magic boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... But that uh, <laughs> are there are there any other examples? Dan, are you done? Is, is there oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I, like that's what I'm saying with this. Like, like set your tone. You could even set your tone narratively through like just the the feeling and the atmosphere of your campaign through random encounters. Like if you're running a jungle campaign um, and you want this to be very kind of tribal. Uh, um, almost Indiana Jones-esque where you're like you're raiding old temples and you're stuck yeah. in the heat of the jungle. You're not going to throw in encounters with things like... Modrons. Modrons. Yeah. Right? Um, and even your encounters with like giant snakes, you're going to do something unique with the giant snake that really brings in that atmosphere. If you're in an urban campaign, you're not fi- fighting giant eagles, but your encounter within is going to... Uh, within the city is going to be like... With a thief who's going to try to sell some of his ill-gotten gains to you or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you set the, the the narrative tone with your random encounters as well. So one of the things that I do right at the beginning of whenever I'm running a campaign is I sit down and I go, what are all the monsters that are available to me? And at this point, I have my spreadsheets already. Yeah. And I say, okay, what is potentially going to be in each one of these environments? And as much as I go jungle, forest, desert, urban, I actually go this island. Okay, this village this specific forest as opposed to this forest. Right. Right? And so I theme them so that you guys are rolling on a different table every time. If you go into, quote-unquote, the haunted forest, it should be undead. If you go into the magic forest, it should be fey. Right? And those two things are going to be radically different, but they still happen in a forest. Yeah. Right? So I think that's... that's Yeah, that's what I was going with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Any... Okay. Examples, guys. Okay. Um, a good random encounter example I thought of was we this probably over a year ago now was where we came across a dead dragon that had been chewed apart yep. and we were like what the hell could kill a dead dragon 
Turns out it was a T-Rex. Two, two T-Rex. <laughs> two T-Rex. Well, it was one at first, and then there was two. Yeah. Afterwards, because there's always a mate. Don't forget that. And that because we were playing a game, we've just been introduced to your game, where I was using lots of portals, things coming from different realms. There was so much going on in that random encounter because we were like, first of all, what could kill a dragon? Well, yes, agreed, a T-Rex could. But why the fuck is there a T-Rex there at the same time as a dragon? These things are from two different places. There's so much going on. Now there's a second one. And that really set the tone for your campaign, which is shit's coming in from all different angles. We don't know where it's coming at any one time. Yeah, and then you, okay, you were there for that. When it was all said and done, they went, oh shit, we need a fucking long rest now. I've dropped the F-bomb like five times already. We've dropped it. We need a fudging long rest now. And so they all sat down. <laughs> Have and, you ever spoken to our audience? Yeah. They're worse than us. <laughs> um, I almost started to name drop. But, uh, <laughs> but so, so they all started to, uh, they all like went down for a long rest. And then the Will-O-Whiffs came, attracted to all of the death. Yes, that's right? right. That night. And so that was another one. Because there was a dragon there. First encounter, hey, look, a dragon. Second encounter, T-Rex, 2.5, second T-Rex. Mm -hmm. Three Will-O-Wisps. And by the end of it, I had one player look at me going, man, I just need eight hours. Just need to sleep. Please. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> that I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, that was uh, great. You taught me a very early lesson as a fighter, which is try not to stab a T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, I do believe that you ran directly into its mouth. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> that has gone so. incredibly poorly so. for upwards of was 15 swiftly, Oscars. And that was <laughs> swiftly thrown away from it, about 20 feet, if I recall. Jeez. <laughs> um, okay, so my example is there was a shipwreck that happened, um, and you guys actually bypassed the shipwreck. This was going to be, if you rolled between 5 and 15, you would see a sinking ship. But you didn't. You rolled a 1. But you also rolled it as an evidence. So a barrel came floating mm. with a bunch of stuff just out of the mists down, as you guys were on your ship looking out. Oh, there's a barrel over there. And you guys had to get down to the barrel. And Dan, I think you were upside down yeah. with your feet sticking out of it, like trying to get the stuff in the bottom. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember what was in the bottom of it. because A bunch of purple gems. It was a bunch of purple gems. Yeah, that's right. So you went down there to get this barrel. The barrel had nothing to do with anything. There was so much stuff on the, sunk, on the sunken ship. If you guys had rolled... Um, too high, the ship would have been uh, wouldn't have sunk far enough, and would have torn the hull out of your boat. Oh. Right. So there were all of these different. Like I knew there was something about a ship coming, and the ship. What sunk the ship was really the storyline point. But we never even got to it. There was just a floating barrel, and you guys went, "Oh, weird." But it also set the tone for boats can sink. Stuff <laughs> is floating. Uh, just out in this out in this world, yeah. and you can't see it until it's on top of you. Well, the thing is, you were calling it at the moment, just to expand on that, like, you were calling it a pirate stash. So you're like, oh, it's just this floating little thing that's probably making its way th with the tides to a certain direction, yeah. or the currents to a certain direction. And now I'm sitting here going, no one stuck their... Oh, we were surrounded by kippers. That's why no one stuck their head in the water to see what yeah. was underneath. Yeah. Yeah, you guys were surrounded by quippers, and that, yeah. was, that was deadly in and of itself. Yeah. But... <clears throat> Dan, so, uh, so I, uh, in the Chalt campaign, we had a random encounter where you come across a uh, old decayed statue in the middle of the woods. I love that you call it a Chalt campaign and not Tomb of Annihilation. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, it's because you spend 90% of the campaign gallivanting and romping through the jungles on Chalt. And Chalt then, of Annihilation. And then the last 10% of the campaign is going through the 10 levels of... Okay. Of... 
the tombs. If you make it, if you make it that far, if you make it that far, no, it's two percent. It's incredibly deadly. But uh, there was this random statue in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by wilderness, just bizarre. So of course we go over. This right out of the module. This is right out of the module. Okay, cool. Um, And we went over and we investigated it and saw that there was this one thing that you could depress. So, of course... <laughs> was it an emo kid? Was it another player? <laughs> no, it was a button on the statue. Both of you were terrible people. Uh, so you, you push the button, and you hear this buzzing. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, it's just a, a weird hum in the air. Whatever. Uh, we got attacked by, I think it was like a dozen Sturges. Uh, that must have made you real happy. Which, which I, awesome. was, I was thrilled. Those uh, who have listened to past episodes know my feelings of Sturges and why they are my least favorite monster in this game. Um, but the problem is, Sturges on mass are loud. So uh, when you're in the jungles of Chultz and there are dinosaurs everywhere, the dinosaurs are going to be like, oh, what's that buzzing noise? And come tromping in. So then we had to fight a T-Rex. I was going to bring this up and then you started talking about T-Rexes. I'm like, yeah, mine's T-Rex too. Uh, a T-Rex came and started attacking us and the Sturges at the same time. And it was this awesome three-way battle that we were having around this old decayed statue that really... Gave us a minor amount of information about the campaign, but it, it really gave us that feeling of, you know, you are stuck in the middle of the jungle and you have no way really out. So if you get hit with one of these gigantic bugs and they pass a disease onto you, you're buggered, bud. And they get two turns. And they get two turns. So they get an action storage. I hate... I wow. don't know if they get two turns. I just have to say that. <sighs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Uh, Terry, take uh, take a D eight inspiration. Thank you. Actually, I will. <laughs> you can put it on. You can add it to your next. Roll. I'm gonna add it to my next roll. Hold okay, on. I, I got the dice. All right. So there you go, sir. Um, so, <laughs> so oh, I'm gonna start doing that now. Absolutely. Love it. We're gonna hand out DM hand sends out inspiration <laughs> dice. The podcast is evolving. <laughs> um, so the uh, the last thing that I want to uh, just mention really quickly, um, I got one tip for players, one tip for DM or for any DMs out there. For DMs, we talked about T-Rexes. There are five different kinds of dinosaurs Yep. in the Monster Manual. Don't use a T-Rex. Give them, give them a, a Plesiosaur. Give them a Stegosaurus. Give them something that, that they're not expecting. Everyone knows that there are imps. Grab a different devil. When you're using random encounters, that's when you get to go digging into these other kind of weird yep. creatures in there. Yep. Some of the oozes that you will never have any reason to use can can be used now yeah. so for dms really try to think outside the box volos is great and so is uh mordenkind's tome of foes these are great books for expanding on on the monsters yeah. and yeah. getting kind of different flavors to well, stretch your legs and practice a little bit in a in a in a situation where it's not necessarily plot critical yeah you can just experiment and play and and kind of just hone your skills a little as a dm and it, listen to your party too like sometimes a party will be like man it's been a long time since we fought an owl bear and you're like okay well guess what Next yeah. week, you're hitting four of them. <laughs> well, uh, but you're putting them on a random table, though, right? Well, like, yeah. Well, you put them on a random table. Like, put if your party is saying, hey, we want to fight these things, make it an op- uh, a possibility for them to fight them. Yeah. One of the things that I think about all the time is beholders. Everyone wants to fight a beholder, but nobody wants to fight a beholder. Right. Right. Like, everybody wants to fight a dragon, but no, you don't. That's terrifying. So, this is your opportunity to pull up the Wormling. You're never going to have a Wormling as a boss battle. No. Right? You're never going to have a Gazer or a Spectator or a Zombie Beholder as a boss battle. But you want to see how a Beholder functions or how a Dragon can work in combat. 
at low levels, so you're kind of getting an idea of what's coming later. Yeah. These random encounters are the opportunity for you to put that stuff on your list, on your table, and see if it comes up, you get to experiment and play. Now, from a player's perspective, when it comes down to a random table and there's, there's random stuff that's happening all the time, this is the opportunity for you to make the choices like um, the rogue says, I want to go left and not right, and the rest of the party goes right. On a random encounter, I feel like the rogue can spec go, yeah, I'm not going to do this one. This is when you get to be kind of the pain in the ass. This is where the barbarian gets to go in a rage and hit the thing and then keep on hitting it, and now it's dead, and he just keeps hitting it. And he keeps hitting it, and now he's got, he's got owlbear paste. Right, this because he wants that flavor, but he can't do that in the urban setting. No. Right, yeah. so this is where you get to really stretch your wings as your character. Those role playing ideas that you had that you never get to do because yeah. you really shouldn't. This is where you get time. to like skin them and wear their face and yeah, all yeah. of that really weird nightmarish garbage that you are you attracted terrify to. me. What? What are you talking? That's what people do in this game. Absolutely, that is what people do. It's a fantasy game. Yeah, I have yet, I have yet to run a campaign where something or someone did not get skinned and worn. As a matter of fact, in your campaign, my character ran around covered in blood and a kobold skull. Yeah. So, it just happened. That actually really helped with yeah. a random encounter that you came across. Yeah. All also, right. a lot of DMs like will ask you to describe how you kill it when you do. It's yeah. messed up. It's messed up, but it's primal. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's take a break and go to commercial for a second before we move on to the next thing. Is it a happy commercial? How cool would it be to hear your company name on this podcast? Pretty stinking cool. It's Mimic is ready to take our show to the next level. We want to partner with other awesome businesses to share your brand with our listeners. Please email us at info at itsamimic.com for advertising information. Well, it wasn't a depressing commercial. A depressing commercial. I mean, it was kind of happy, I Not guess. Not enough skinning for my liking. I mean, it is a mimic. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to move on to the next thing, the next randomized portion of D&D that people run into a lot, and that is magic items. Yeah. Um, essentially, how do we keep the balance? What are some unique ways of handling it? Um, and do you guys have advice for DMs and players when mm -hmm. rolling on this? Because the DMG is absolutely full of uh, like a good solid dozen magic items. Oh, magic item tables, rather. Oh, Excuse I was me. like, it's got more than a dozen magic items there. Sorry. Um, I suppressed the cough in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> oh, how do you do There's that? There's at least 12. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there are a lot of tables that are that are there. I can't use a lot of them myself. Mm -hmm. Right? Even for a level, I, you guys are level 16 now in, in your campaign. 15. 15? 15. You guys are level 15. Man, some of the stuff in there is just game breaking. Yeah. How do you handle this when you're player rolls a d12 to find out what table rolls a 12 and then rolls percentile and gets a hundred yeah right like what are you doing now yeah so random tables can actually work against you sometimes as a dm uh and use a player how do you handle when a dm says actually no do it again <laughs> yeah right so let's uh roll with um initiative terry gets his inspiration oh, oh. 
That's 20 for me, for the big dog. Against a three and a two. I rolled a three and came in second. How the tides have turned. <laughs> Before this podcast, I'm like, I'm probably not going to talk that much about this one, guys. And then the dice confirmed that <clears throat> yeah. for me. Well, magic items. Okay. Pros and cons of using uh, random tables. Pros of using a random table depends on... Okay, if you're using, like you just said, Adam, the, the DMG magic item random tables. Yeah, sometimes there's not as much balance there as you would like. But all you can do the semi-random tables, which is like a random table that you have constructed, yeah. where there's a little bit more control. And yep. so you do have an element of balance there. So the cons of not using random tables or of using the more broader ones like the DMG ones is there isn't balance. But sometimes I like the idea of embracing that. And that's okay as long as you have a way to control it, which your question was, how do I control it? Yeah. If, for whatever reason, let's say we're, just, we're level seven. When we roll and we get an item which is just far too powerful and we shouldn't have it it's going to be game breaking it's going to ruin everything i like the idea of these items of such power especially sentient items you should have a certain level of ability before you can control it i don't think there's anything wrong with making your player who attempts to control a very high powerful magic item to roll say a wisdom save or roll or whatever type of save to see if they can even control this power in the first place is it going to work how they think it's going to work is it just going to completely fail because they don't have a way, a way to control it or is this sentient item Instead, going to decide that they will maybe start to take control of that player. So I think there's there's uh, um, plot hooks you can use if these magic items are too powerful. That's a really cool idea. You just kind of sparks one in my head. I've never seen this, and I don't know why I haven't seen it in D and D because it's in every video game. Every I've video ever game ever is is why don't your your weapons level? Yeah, uh, you have seen it, just it hasn't been direct. I do that in my games all the time. Um, one of the characters who recently died had a great sword. That uh, what I do is, uh, they don't necessarily level, but their abilities become released slowly over time. Yeah, but, my, but my point is that you know every time that you go five levels, you can now swing this with such accuracy, you've been using it for so long, that now it, it's plus two ability is unlocked and a plus three ability. Yeah. So it just levels with you. Or a plus three great axe or whatever, um, you know, say at level nine you get to make a roll or a series of rolls to determine whether it goes to plus one. And then a couple of levels later, you can determine whether it goes to plus two. So you can unlock this ability over time with the right rolls. That's really cool, yeah. Or, or you could do it a different way by like amount of time, like uh, like Fable almost, like the amount of times you use the skill. Yeah. You'll level it up. So like if you're sticking the pointy end in the other guy a uh, hundred times, well, then it's going to level. And then you're just keeping track of how many guys you actually kill with it. Yeah, and you know, even these other item is not going to work. Maybe it'll work to its full uh, potential, but it's not going to work in the way that you want to. Mm -hmm. And you can. This is part of exploration. This is uh, a descriptive thing that you can do. That as you're trying to use the item, you get the strong sense that you can't control it. Mm -hmm. You realize that you can't. If you choose a target, you're not sure if you're going to hit that target or not. Yeah. It may be random. Um, so it gives them. It does. They don't. Players don't feel like they're being cheated. Uh, they feel like they're they're they have something to work towards. They're unlocking the item over time, and we all know from smartphones and games like that, you like to those little uh, rewards over time. Yeah. That's something to work towards, uh, and it, it gives you another exploration um, to to unlock in your game as well. So I don't think things need to be unbalanced. I think there's a way we can deal with it. So for random tables, that's the point that I wanted to make. Yeah, no, sure. Yeah, that's 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 excellent. Um, yeah, you've completely derailed me now because I'm like, oh, that's. That's so cool, and now I can do just, this with this. Now yeah. you're just practicing. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm just I'm just making magic items in my head, which I need to stop doing. So one of the things that uh, that I do 
I, mean, I want to talk a little bit about uh, starting gold and magic items because a lot of people say, oh, you know, how, when you're when you start a campaign, you're going to be level twelve. How do you start with your items? Mm-hmm. Right, right. What 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 do you do? Like, how much starting gold do you get? Do you have magic items and whatnot? One of the things that I like to do is I like to make my own table, quote unquote, um, and then add a, a cost to everything. Yeah. Um, but that cost is simply just points. You get whatever starting gold would be appropriate at your level. But a level five adventuring party not only has earned what a level five starting package would be, but they probably earned about six times past that. Yeah. Just with, oh, we, we got 15 orcs. We've looted everybody. Yeah. Right. We've sold all the stuff. We've turned every ladder into two 10 foot poles and sold it back. Right. Like we have done absolutely everything we can to make money. So when a new person joins, they're severely underpowered. So what I do is I make this list and I say, um, look, you have this, here are five really cool weapons. This one costs five points. This one costs four points. This one costs three points. And this, these two cost two points each. Okay. You have a maximum of five points to spend in this area. Yeah. So you can either get a big one or two little ones. Right. And so I like to give players agency. Um, when choosing their own starting items, especially magic items. Yeah. I think that if you are an adventurer, even if you are level one, you should have one magic item. And 5th Ed isn't built that way. 3.5 was built that way, and that's why I feel like it really needs to apply uh, to Dungeons & Dragons. But 5th Ed is built around, you get one magic item essentially per tier. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone in the party does. Period. I play high magic item campaigns. Right, Everybody gets them. But then I neuter what the magic item can do, mm-hmm. right? I give a lot of really strange ones, like a, a, a little um, carving that's about two inches tall of a stool that if you say the word, it becomes a full-size stool and you can sit on it, Yeah. right? Um, what are some of the other ones that I've handed out to you guys, right? Like, oh, what, favorite ones? Yeah. Trip Willy Deck. The was, Trip Willy Deck The Trip Willy Deck was awesome. So basically it was... It was, it was uh, homebrew game i've never heard yeah. of that game if it is no no I, I made that up so you eventually invented a game that could be played within the game yeah and magic cards can be not magic cards magic cards can be inputted into the deck because i kind of find them and each one of them has an ability now it wasn't necessarily that some of the abilities were stronger than others it wasn't necessarily that they were high level abilities it was lots of it was like lots of low level abilities that could be used creatively yeah. to do things turn uh, invisible for one turn yeah right or Perfect. or uh, fog cloud for you know 10, ten feet or or or, or uh, steal all of the gold within every creature 15 feet away from five you. feet you had to be right up there and yeah. close so uh, the idea was I had to be playing the game magically and put them. into your uh, into a bag of holding type pocket that came with the trip that was great yeah. yeah there was nothing that was really in and of itself game breaking you could like light candles within a third foot radius or something i was absolutely giddy when duke died and he gave me that item as, as like a last will and testament he's like and Lockie gets the trip willy deck and i'm like ooh, something to play with and you haven't used it i've used it a couple times but very rarely not it's like great did. yeah it's yeah. awesome um but speaking of decks i want to just do a shout out to the true random table of all time for D, and that is the deck of many things <gasps> <laughs> you must not be named <laughs> the the, deck the of, campaign ruiner of many things is what you is what you're talking about. Uh, I am playing a game right now where I have taken the randomness out of the deck of many things. My stop campaign, saying its name. I have to kill three level four characters now in order to go back to uh, to good. There's combat. an avatar of death behind Dan as we speak. <laughs> we can't help or we'll get our own. Good luck. <laughs> so. 
So, uh, by the way, I have a keep full of monsters. Um, <laughs> so, the thing about the uh, D-O-M-T, uh, oh. does that count? Is that, is that saying That's, it? Sure. Yeah, okay. So, the thing about the deck of many things is that... Um, Domped. Domped. Uh, is that it is random because they are supposed to draw a card or roll a yeah. die to figure out what they get. That is insane. There's some stuff in there that's just totally uh, unbalanced, mm-hmm. right? You can Give have your, your third level uh, cleric th- three wishes. Yep. Summon or a Baylor. One d four wishes. That was fun. The, summon a Baylor. Yeah, yeah. You can you summon a uh, devil, right? Like there's there are things in there that are just absolutely deadly. Even at level seventeen, you should not get these things. For example, having your soul whisked away and your body just becomes a husk and your soul's on another dimension yep. and no one can know where it is and that's it. You're done. Yep. Right. What do you do with that? So, so that that's just too much. So what I've done is I've taken the random out of the random table, and I've said uh, this entire campaign is based around you guys go out, you have magically attuned to the cards. You have to find one card within a hundred days. Every time you do it, resets the clock. You have to find the next card. Mm-hmm. They've been spread out all over the land, and they're all lying face down, and you have to go pick them up one at a time as a party. You guys can choose amongst yourself who draws the card. Yeah. And I know ahead of time which card is coming in which so order. So you can prep for it ahead so of time. Because you know which direction time. they're going. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So when it comes to things like, oh, uh, you draw this card and die. Mm-hmm. I know there's a character death coming around the corner. And maybe there'll be a priest with Revivify. There won't be. Now, but maybe that's, a, that's what I would do. To Would you also maybe do... Something like you know how there's like a when there's a large dragon, it affects the environment around. Yeah, like yeah. It, it becomes more poisonous or it dies or whatever it becomes cold. Would you maybe look at the idea of doing something like that based on which card is close? How is uh, the environment affected around that card? Normally, I would say no, but I very much would for this when enough time has passed. Yeah, let it let it imbue the area slowly right. and infect the area. Are the plants like dying around? Yeah, it, or are they? Does it seem more fruitful? And yeah, you when if it if you're gonna find the wishes. There's just going to be more Genasi around for a few sessions ahead of time, right? Yeah. Before you get the one where you can, you know, you get your wishes. Mm-hmm. Um, there and, and everything that will happen has to make sense because it's not random. One of the players is playing a Yuan-T Pureblood, um, and he drew the level 4 fighter who just shows up and says, I'm loyal to you now. So he got an NPC. He got a bodyguard. Yes. Well, which is good. He's a Yuan-T sorcerer. He gets a Yuan-T fighter bodyguard, right? So I... But this fighter has a backstory i've i left the temple three months ago to find you it's just the deck of many things has made it so that the, the fate has aligned the stars have aligned and here yeah. we are yeah. right and so that takes the scariness out of it so allowing your players to have a little bit of say about what what they're doing for example you know what yeah you got table h in the in the dmg that's nutty Oh my God! That all you are level two. You should not have these items. So, instead of rolling percentile dice, roll a d10. You get access to the first ten items on the list. Yeah. Right. Or you can make it really random and say, roll a d10. They roll a two. All right. Roll another d10, and it's any one of the twos along the list, which is essentially just percentile dice. But it gives you the opportunity to stop and go. All right. Hold on. Which ones are we dealing with here? Yeah. And if you don't like it, then instead of every two, then we'll start with number two and it'll be two to 12. Mm-hmm. Or, we'll, you know, you're going to reward and say, okay, anywhere between 52 and 62. Yeah. yeah. Right? 
It gives you the opportunity to get in there. They feel like they have so much more agency, but you're in control of the randomness. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, do you have anything you want to... Um, honestly, when it comes to uh, random item tables and whatnot, I I tend to railroad a bit when it comes to them because I'm, I'm terrified of them. Um, so what I'll do is I will... Uh, I will look at what the table is that they're rolling on and I'll just be like, no matter what they roll, they're not getting this. It's just not happening. So I'll give them the item above or below, maybe within two spaces, and I will give them the one within that space of like grouping of five that I think is best suited for their character or or something else like that. Because imagine being an air, or sorry, a, a, a water genasi druid in a river campaign and you were giving them a ring of water walking, right? Like these things could pretty much do this anyway. So like it, it's a fairly useless item or you're giving the party the fifth ring of protection or something, right? So like I, I, I like to kind of more control what these random items I'm giving out are um, and I will take the grouping. You've done this with an actual item you've given my character, which um, I think is awesome and it was present in the previous campaign as well which is this quiver of chance um you know what let's uh let's make this available online i'll take it i'll take a picture of it we'll throw it up online yeah yeah it, it it's fairly incredible but there's 101 um uh different types of arrows and our bolts on it that uh when you draw from it you have to roll on the table and there's a bunch of rules about you know if you can't roll a number you take psychic damage or if you draw all the dice, you take psychic damage. There's all these other things to it, but um, you've added the rule in where if you can't select this thing, you get the one above or one below. Yep. Right? And that that flows throughout the thing. So um, it's been a fantastic uh, addition to the game, and, and it's something I've always been doing with my magic items on, with my players is um, I don't want to give them the deck of many things, but I'll give them the thing that's like, two things lower, which is like, oh, you get a plus three greatsword. Sure. Right? Um, well, so, yeah, one of the things that I heard about that inspired me to do that was there was a campaign where DM was running uh, where they had a bag of holding. And there was, uh, every bag of holding had a list attached to it. And the list was everything that's in it. Oh, that's cool. Yep. But you draw one and then it becomes a bag of devouring. Oh, so you get to use it and then it goes away. So you can reach in and grab one item on that list and you choose as the player which thing that you want and if there's only one of these and four players standing there they will argue for 25 minutes you as a dm get to order pizza yep. right like yeah. whatever it is that you want to do um, i had pizza on the way here it was really good i'm glad to know that Terry. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that was a random just, encounter for just me enjoy pizza. <laughs> just really enjoy pizza <laughs> so okay. um but uh, everyone can sit there and determine, you know, well, I already have a plus one weapon. The barbarian has a plus one weapon. The rogue doesn't, but gets sneak attack. Do we give it? Do we give it to the monk? Right? Does the monk need the uh, plus one weapon? Right? And they all sit around and they argue about this. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we just need that potion of featherfall because we're we're climbing up into the hills. Does the barbarian need a fourth great weapon to strap to their back? Or... <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. That is yeah. how barbarians yeah. work. Yeah, um, that's a dumb question. <laughs> and it's a dumb use. barbarian too. They'll so. never use because they have their favorite one. So. Um, but anyway, that it and it you keeps leave it, one in the monster and then you move on to the next it, one. It keeps it random, and you're not really in control, but you've limited the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and 
because a lot of this stuff is going to happen behind the screen, it, it gives this kind of facade of randomness as well. Like, it's not exactly random. It's random, but it's not completely random. Um, and your players are never going to know the difference. And even as players, if your DM pauses and looks at an item for a while and then says, no, you're going to get the one above it, roll with it, be okay with it. There's probably a balance reason for it. Um, but DMs also be open to giving those powerful items and seeing what happens. And my favorite thing to do with the powerful item is either make it cursed or give it charges. And nobody does this in D&D anymore. Is this thing will be able to do 10d10 damage. It is a sword. 10d10 force damage. Twice. Here you go. You can have it. Use it wisely. You're never getting another one. Yeah. Right? And that's it. And then you have the... the players sit there and they go oh my god the wizard just died the cleric is dying i have this this charge in here i could end this battle today but we are gonna fight a dragon tomorrow and i would not me i'm the exception to that rule i would use it immediately yeah you you would use it on your on your your party members yes (laughs) (laughs) the cleric's dying well let's expediate that a little bit yeah Yeah. (laughs) because some some players just hoard stuff you know Yep. Damn. Yeah, some, <laughs> you're the, some players you're the just person stuff. guaranteed gets to the end of the Final Fantasy game with 99 elixirs or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, Because you I, don't want to use them up because you might run out. Well, I you gave my one character a sword that uh, absorbs dragon souls and then lets me expend the dragon souls in the form of their breath from the sword. Exactly. I've been weapon. doing that three times a day. And after the first day, I'd have none left. I'd throw it over my shoulder. I'd go, next. I had that sword, and I, I had, like, four stock dragon breaths in it, and I used one of them once. Yep. Yeah, because you hoard it. And yeah. I keep telling you, you will not get new items until you use the ones you have. Yeah. And when was the last time you got a magic item, Dan? Oh, I've gotten one recently. When Duke died. I got a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> that, again, that was five five uh, sessions ago. And yeah. And then we looted did. a bank and, or a, a vault. And then we've, I've gotten magic items. I just They all end up in the bag of holding. And yeah. The last time that you got a magic item, it set the wizard on a collision course with you. We don't even know. Yeah. Anyway, let's do a shout out. Yes, sure. Let's, let's get this back on track. Awesome. Yeah, just real quick. And that's the magic item you decided to use was the one that caused... The the battle with the <laughs> there were there were story reasons because Dan can't help himself and had to read the book. No no no, Dan can't help himself and had to answer riddles. Adam went here. Dan have a tasty morsel in twenty riddles, and I went ooh twenty riddles. It helps when when coming up with random tables and random encounters and random items to know the personalities of your players. Hundred percent. Yeah, which is how I keep sabotaging Dan. So well, and without fail as well. You also find ways to hurt me. No, I just put you near the. I just put an encounter close to the nearest ledge, and you take care of the rest. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Adam spends three sessions building up a personal relationship with you just so you could end that character, or just so he could end that character. And with me, just like here's puzzles. Now have interparty politics. Yeah, but onto a shout out because on theme, I want to do a shout out to Lady Tiefling. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, with Lady Tiefling. No, uh, she's on Instagram. She's absolutely fantastic. Um, I started. She was one of the first people to follow me, and I was following her back. Just you know, the early days of Instagram. Of I will just follow everyone who follows me mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because you still have time in in your life. Um, 
But uh, I'm still in those days. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm almost at 200. I got 199 now. Oh, shit. There you go. Yeah, I, I nice. will unfollow you. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Terry already did months ago. <laughs> it's a mimic is unfollowing you, man. So, <laughs> anyway. But, uh, but Lady Tiefling started to make random tables based on what body you're looting. And one of the ones that stuck out to me, I think it was Cobalt. Um, but so the stuff on it was like a pair of, of uh, broken boots and uh, a piece of uh, string that's eight inches long. And some of it's really garbage, useless items. So I'm, bring, I'm very bringing it up right now. on theme. And her Instagram, it's it's at Lady Tiefling. I'm following you right now, Lady Tiefling. Is there an underscore? No, it's just, no, it's just uh, at Lady Tiefling. Um, and her stuff is fantastic. She is blown up. She's got thousands of people following her right now. Um when she first started to do this, she was asking, I don't know if she's still doing it, she was asking for uh, people's input. What do you want, which uh, of the, these two creatures do you want to loot next? And does anybody have any items that would be fun to put on this this creature? These are really good. These tables are amazing. They, they are freaking amazing. And I keep screenshotting them and sending them aside because I, I like, someday I will use these. And yeah. we just, uh, we're level 16. We don't loot kobolds, right? I loot but, the witch. This is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, her stuff is just amazing. But as kind of a sidebar, <laughs> um, she started to get kind of popular, and her boyfriend jumped on Reddit and said, oh, hey, in the D&D subreddit. He's like, oh, hey, just if anybody wants to know, my girlfriend makes these tables, and she's excited about it, and just got a bunch of followers, and I thought everyone should should look at this. And I'm like, I follow her. I Oh, yeah. my. Worlds are colliding here. This is a, <laughs> this is a random encounter. <laughs> and, and like, They're really I, good tables. Yeah, and, and I really sent him good. a message. And her stuff is is some of the highest quality stuff that you can find for free in the in the realm of, of random tables. And it looks good. Like, they're professionally made. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, I can't say enough good things mm-hmm. about what Lady Tiefling has been doing. Mm-hmm. I've wanted to do this shout out since, like, episode three. But I knew we were doing a random tables episode coming up. So you so, were holding on to it? Yeah, so I was, yeah. I was holding my breath on it. But um, everyone, everyone, if you don't have an Instagram account, I don't know how you heard about us, but if you don't have an Instagram account, make one and follow her. She's absolutely amazing. And I've seen her crop up. Other people are using her tables. They're just blatantly stealing them yeah. and saying, hey, look at this cool thing. Hey, I made a meme about this. Yeah. I'm like, that's not a meme, but good for you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and it's getting passed around now in the D&D community, and she is going to be one of the big content creators <laughs> out there. And uh, Lady Tiefling, uh, if you are listening to this, uh, I suggest that you make a book and sell it. Oh, yeah, yeah for You sure. could make some serious bank off of this, and I'll take 10% of the royalties. Kickstarter, go! <laughs> Absolutely. I would be totally in. So this is something that I 100% believe in. I'm excited about it. Everyone go, go follow her, like all of her stuff, and, and support her as much as you can. Beautiful. All right, let's move on to topic number three. Sure. Okay. Dan, this is going to be a foreign concept to you. I want to talk about planning ahead. I've been doing it now. Um, planning ahead with random tables and what happens when these random tables, or how they can help your campaign or how they can derail them. Okay. All right, so we've already covered a bunch of this. Yeah. So I don't think there's a whole lot really left to say for me. But let's roll initiative. I want to hear what you guys have to say. 40. Ooh, I thought I honestly 16. thought I was going to win every time. No. Two back in true form. Yep. I'm uh, all right with it, though. Yep. All right. So uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, the benefits, pitfalls, flexibility. Um, these are all things I wanted to, to touch on. And we have. Yep. 
um, to some degree or another. But one of the things that I want to point out with the with random encounters specifically, so off of the uh, concept of the uh, magic items and onto the idea of the monster encounters and whatnot, I want to talk about what weather can do for you. Mm. Because random weather is one of the most important things, in my opinion, that you can do in a campaign. We talk about the three pillars, right? And it's easy to say, oh, I can come up with a a, a combat encounter on a random table. I can come up with a social encounter on a random table. Oh, you bumped into the fence in the urban campaign and he wants to... To hawk some items to you at an increased rate. I thought you meant a literal wooden fence, and I'm like, why? Why is the fence talking to you? Why are you skimming over the fact that this is a talking fence? What did you? What is a fence? A a person who sells illegal goods. Don't don't, nobody make a sound bite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. So it's it's when you go to fence items. uh, You would take your illegal items and give it to someone else who knows where the buyers are. Because you're just the rogue. Oh, you don't know right. all the buyers. You have a middleman. Yeah. yeah. Right? The so, middleman is the fence. Yeah. So. Um, hmm. Yeah. you got to find a man that's got the right gate. I'm leaving that fence. silent. <laughs> I'm leaving that silence in. Just just the disapproval it's from not Adam a material. And I. We've only got three listeners. I'm not wasting my good stuff <laughs> on them. Because they'll go off and tell somebody else and pretend it was their joke. You guys get the shit. I do that all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Terry's entire persona hinges upon these puns. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Anyway, so um, it's easy to come up with social encounters. It's easy to come up with combat encounters. Environmental encounters. A lot of people just kind of scratch their head and say, well, how many rivers can you run into as you're traipsing through the woods? Yep. Right? So I want you to think outside the box and think about... um, the environment and the, and the weather specifically. Right. We've talked about this really briefly when we were doing our episodes on the pillars, but I love the idea of omens. Mm-hmm. Having the storm cloud or the, the you can hear thunder, but it is a bright sunny day. It, it, there's a blizzard uh, in the middle of the tropical rainforest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. These are random encounters, which what do you do with that? Just what do you do with that? There are so many things that are out there that are high-powered creatures that have regional effects that nobody ever really plays with. You know, you know their layer actions and their layer effects, but regional effects. One of my favorite pieces of, of lore that's out there is, did you know that when a blue dragon dies, in the area right around where he died, there will always be a storm. There will always be a thunderstorm. How, how far? Like 30 feet or a mile? Uh, it... It says kind of in, in the general the area text. around. Okay. I myself would probably say uh, an acre. Yeah. Right? Where you pass into this area and all of a sudden it's raining. And the sun is blotted out by clouds. And there's lightning strikes. Huh. And and just because you have this... I mean, it's, a, it's electric breath, right? Like, it's lightning breath. Um, and it's this magical, this powerful magical creature. When it dies, it affects the area around. Yeah. That's crazy. Can you imagine your random encounter? You're walking through, like, the desert because they're desert dwelling creatures and all of a sudden there's just this one area where there's water yeah and there's lots of it. it's this oasis you got to duck lightning as you're in there and there's a giant ancient blue dragon skull that's been charred and cracked by lightning strikes mm-hmm. with a magic item hidden within it and then when you go in to retrieve it there's another combat encounter happening in the middle of a high-powered storm write this down someone write this down 
Yeah, no, see, and, I can't help but prep when these things but, come up. But we should really be looking at the idea of, of what weather can can add to it. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a, a portent of what's to come. Sometimes it can just be, in and of itself, a landslide, right? Yeah. Now we're doing a skill challenge. Yeah. So whatever it is, think about it. Especially, I can't say this enough, Arctic campaigns. Right. That environment needs to be deadly. And you should just look up how have people died, like explorers from a hundred years ago, in Antarctica and in in the Arctic Circle and whatnot, where they go out and the entire party disappears, mm-hmm. and they find evidence of them later. Yeah, right. You don't need a, a Wendigo to be there. Yeah, you don't need a Yeti. It can just be rocks fall, you die. Mm-hmm. You're out in the tundra. The ground opens up yeah, underneath you're in you. A, a crevasse. Yeah. Uh, or you're now in the tunnels underneath, and there's a, a remoraz mm-hmm. that that's burrowed its way through here, just from a random encounter. Right? I feel like yeah, environment, and I know we talked about this a lot before um, with exploration. Is it's just not played with enough people crossing mountains too easily in this game, if you ask me. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so well, any any sort of travel is just done way too easy. And, yeah, and deserts. I, I would like to add on top of that um, with. Even if you're a high-level campaign, you can use mundane animals to great effect in your ma- in your random encounters um, as either portents or... Uh, buffalo stampede. Or, yeah, buffalo stampede. Um, one of my favorite ways to do it is to throw the old Norse mythology at it and have a crow fly across the path or land on a crooked branch across the p- path, crow at your party and fly away. Your party might just be like, okay, and move on. But if it's important for enough for you to mention, the party should probably look into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Especially so, if one party member hears it say words. Yeah, yeah. And they get a whisper. <laughs> Everyone else hears a call. You hear, you're going to die. <laughs> like it's, or, or you just, like, at every level, you roll 1d6, or you start with a 1d4, and then a 1d6, and then a 1d8, all the way up. Now you're rolling 3d20 by by level 19 mm-hmm. to how many crows that crows are just falling. appear yeah. yeah and it's just like what is happening and then and they're know, always there yeah level, <laughs> level 20 raven queen right like however right just is out of nowhere so boom like this this is a fun and yeah she just doesn't have to be combat she can just show up and bless one exactly of your party she's members. there all the time she'll crow old with you we're knocking it out of the park today. Like at first, I was getting I just a little like tired to stare of it. Into your soul but but you, you are actually doing so well. You always look at Dan for his for his disapproval. You know that you and I are birds of a feather. But he really he, he's the audience here, right? And he's just but, constantly beaking at me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you be careful, you'll be eating crow. So um, I just say one, then I let it go. I can't. I can't. No, he I have can't. He doesn't going. have an off switch. Though. Yeah, you're right. No, he's raving I, I'm always on. Um, but <laughs> evermore, <laughs> evermore. Oh God! <laughs> this is why. This is why they hate us. Um, <laughs> this is why we don't have listeners. Okay, Raven uh, Queen. But but anyway, yeah. The idea. I like the idea of there being mundane creatures involved there, and people don't don't think about that at all. Yes. Okay. Um, I think what I want to talk about benefits and pitfalls. I agree with everything you just said. I want to talk about flexibility and some of my ideas on how to just be a little bit more flexible with regards to planning ahead. Always stretch before your session. Always stretch before your set. Yeah, dynamic warm-ups, people. Um, I think the way I stay flexible is to whatever random encounter we come across, whether it be a social encounter, combat encounter, whatever, know whatever stats or have them available, whatever you need, and know if it's involving NPCs or animals, what their goals are, what their fears are, and then check your ego as in 
don't have an outcome that you are looking for as the DM. Put the problem, the challenge in front of them, know the important information you need to know, and then let them decide how it goes. And you just react appropriately to where it is because otherwise you're gonna lose all faith from them, they'll feel like they're losing agency and they'll feel like they're being railroaded. And the random encounters, the challenge should be put in front of them, but they shouldn't ever feel like there's a, an expected outcome. You should avoid saying, I think things like, um, and we all say it sometimes, but oh, you were supposed to do this and you didn't. Because next time you put one in front of them, they'll look at each other and they won't do anything because they don't know what they're, in air quotes, supposed to do. Yeah. So stay flexible. Yeah, I, I do that all the time as a DM where I'm like, Okay, here's my random encounter. I know that you guys I are going to I think what go we mean up. when we say you were supposed to do this is we're saying I expected you to do yeah, this. Yeah, I, I, was, I was about to say that. Yeah. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, too, that when you're doing I'm thinking about the, the mundane animals. This is true of anything in the monster manual. I think this ties in, Terry, is with, with what you're saying. Every one of these things has a different um, fight or flight yeah. threshold. And you guys had five tigers hunting you at one point, mm -hmm. and you attacked them. And one of them turned around and ran away. Yeah. You guys had a manticore that's just like, okay, no, you guys are too powerful. I'm out. Yeah. Right? You you should have enemies that are escaping. And if the players hunt them down, let them. Right? And that's that's kind mm -hmm. of the point that you're yeah. you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Is give them the all the power. Because it's it's not this isn't your big bad evil guy. Mm -hmm. You don't need this tiger later, right? So Yeah. And I think what one last point I just wanted to make on, on random encounters as a whole, when people are looking for inspiration, we, we talked about it before with, with classes, is I like to try and twist things as well. So if you're looking for a really interesting random encounter, just twist something from norm, deviate away from the normal. So dragons we know are pretty much not afraid of anything. So maybe come across a dragon that for some reason is really afraid of something which is very close to them. Or an idea of gods are all powerful, but for some reason you come across one that's very weak. Or children that for some reason are, are not afraid to fight to the death. Or orcs begging for help. Something like that. Twist it on its head. Yep. And you can explore it a little bit more later on. But it, that's going to make your random encounter so much more engaging. Is the, the presence of the abnormal, absence of the normal makes things so much better. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, the uh, is there anything else you'd like to? Nope, that's me. I'm all done. All right. Um, the last thing that I want to mention, and I know it's not on the itinerary, guys, but um, dilemmas in a random encounter. Mm. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? What do you mean? Well, there's a moral dilemma. For example, you guys are fighting orcs, and you're in an orc campaign, and and you found the signs of the orc as one of the random encounters, and there was the scouts and the patrols. As I was saying before, you come across the village, you murder everything in the village, and now there's an orc baby. Perfectly legit. I yeah. think perfectly reasonable. Yeah, it's highly likely you will come across an orc baby after that. Um, but I think th these dilemmas need to be put in front of players, A, to make the game more interesting so that they are feeling emotion when they're playing the game, which is going to make their times when they're being rewarded so much better. And um, it also means that they deviate away from their own railroading, which is just village kill, village kill. They're thinking more and they're becoming so much more engaged in your story arc. So do you reward them a lot? Like, are there big rewards for random encounters? Or do you save your big rewards for your plot points? Mm, I think you can reward them with inspiration or, 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 yeah, other creative ways. And I know we, all three of us, don't like to get too tied up into alignment. But I think this is a time when you can reward them for following their alignment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I would encourage people when they're making their uh, random encounters to throw in things that will bring dilemma and will cause a little bit of party strife in, in, in the sense that 
you guys are going to sit and talk about this for a while. I, I would encourage. It's not just something I would. I like you. You have this kind of feeling of you. Is this something we avoid? No, do it, please, because um, that is where uh, you're spending a lot of time in your campaign. This is where your character development happens. You need dilemmas to catalyze those to happen, mm -hmm. right? So um, have your orc children. Have your sword stuck in a stone. Um, your charmed best friend that won't stop trying to kill you no matter what. Yeah, have, have the one child miles out of a village alone with bare feet crying. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. You you want to get a visceral reaction to guys like me who have young kids? All right, well, that is now my charge, and I'm going directly to the closest village. Absolutely. I'll order right? the pizza, and you can tell me all about it later on. <laughs> but, like, this, this, this is – these are your opportunities to do these things. Yep. And even, you could even do that within your magic item list as well. Um, have items that curse. Have items that – uh, are completely mundane, but could be um, tagged. Like I'm thinking of like a locket with in with initials on it that will draw you into more story aspects, mm -hmm. right? If you are going to sit down and roll your random encounter, uh, create your own random encounters, which I completely encourage, um, throw in these little things that could be either plot hooks or things that will cause party dilemmas or things that will are just straight up like, over-the-top rewards for players who just roll well, right? Like, um, there's nothing saying you have to use the tables that are provided. Makes your life easier, As and as a lazy DM, I use them, but I'll tweak them. Um, I'll, I'll be like, no, I don't want you to have that amulet of natural armor, but I'll give you that amulet with the um, uh, initials on it that will maybe eventually lead to an amulet of natural armor. Mm -hmm. Like... Just because they rolled that item doesn't mean you have to give them that item now. Yeah. Right? Like, there's there's so many things around this that don't feel constrained by the, by the numbers, by the tables. Yeah. If you're like me and you don't like spreadsheets, these tables will scare you. Don't be scared of them. They don't have an immediate threat to you. Just let... Breathe, let them breathe with it, like breathe with them and let them kind of fill your campaign and use them the, to the best of your ability. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I think uh, from, I guess, my final thought on, on random tables, something that we didn't really touch on too much, or random encounters anyway, is gearing it towards your players. Mm -hmm. um, for example, if you have a ranger that is really good at desert and not so good at forest, your random encounter should be in the desert. Yeah. Reward them. Your druid with their circle of the land, whichever one they picked, reward them by giving them random encounters in their environment. Maybe the paladin and the cleric are running into the random encounters are the cultists from the opposing god like find out what your fighter was a battle master in the army and there's a, a small group of rebels that are still living on the outskirts and he's just going to clear them out yeah right he's retired now or the war is over but these guys are still flying the wrong colors yeah mm -hmm. right so whatever it is know who your party is and have them have them um inform what your random table should should include include yeah so. absolutely okay all right yeah. so um that's been the uh the first of the dungeon mastery uh where specifically we look at you know how to prep sessions and and whatnot we're going to do this, this is going to be another series that we're kicking off uh dungeon mastery tune in next week we're going to get into dragon mastery yes and uh we've got wait wait, wait 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 dungeon and dragon 
No, just dragon. Oh, okay. Just dragon. No, we so, did dungeon this week and then dragon. Do, I don't understand. Dan, can you dragon? What? You, but, who are you? What? Dragons, Dan. Yeah. You, told, you already knew this. That we were I, going I knew, to do but this. no, I was. Why would you ask a, a question thing. where you already knew the answer? I was trying to, to do a joke thing. I was trying to be the funny one for no. once. This, no. This, this, That's no. Terry's job we've established. Okay, this, fine. This, this is impossible. I'll sit no here with blank sense. expression on my face like usual. <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> it, it can be confused as it does is often as well. Um, anyway, back to, uh, back to uh, the podcast. This was all about random tables. We're going to start talking about how to do planning and prepping. But I, I think that moving forward in all of these Dungeon Mastery ones... We're going to focus specifically upon um, how you can prep yeah. for every campaign. Mm-hmm. We're not going to hone in specifically on urban on or whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, we may, at some point in the future, start a series on that, but Dungeon Mastery for now. Uh, and we'll do Dragon Mastery. And I think there's like 17 Dragon episodes planned over the next couple of years. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I am Adam. I'm Dan. I am Terry. And this has been It's a Mimic, and we will see you next week. We out. We out. I'm in. (laughs) Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. Dan's run away. Dan? Dan? We don't know what to do. It's cold and I'm frightened. And the wolves are after me. Come back, Daniel. <laughs> don't leave me, Papa. <laughs> <laughs>